0: Hit record on here. Um, I'd uh, like to start us off with a little prayer, and uh, a lot to cover. I want—I would like to do really short on what was the end of Second Kings, uh, and then this is the end of the entirety of Samuel Kings. So to do a little bit more on some of our overarching themes for tonight. All right, so uh, let's begin. God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for this uh, entire series everything that we have learned from frank and tyler uh their teaching uh thank you for this community um thank you for this group of people who have stuck it out in the summer and come to church in 109 degree weather uh to get to know you more and to know your word and to be in community and fellowship together Um, please guide our conversations Uh, let the spirit lead and um Let us enjoy each other's fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so if I have not got a chance to meet you, I am Nick Oviedo. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, I am a principal in my day job at a K-8 school in Roosevelt School District, uh, Irene Lopez School at 12th Street and Broadway. Um, Like I said, kindergarten, eighth grade, about 480 students, and we're prepping to get ready right now. We're actually... Uh, now that I think about it, I have seven work days until there'll be kids on campus August 1st, which is wild. August 1st is the earliest that we've ever started. Um, and we we're, were in Michigan, my wife and I, over the summer. And they're like, why are you guys going back? I'm like, I got, we got school starting in three weeks. And for everyone else back east, that's wild to start, to start so early. And they're like, how hot is it going to be? So I have to be the bad guy. That is telling kids like no, we can't be out. We have to minimize our amount of of, of recess because it's already 100 degrees by the time we're doing um, lunch recess. So, gearing up for that, uh, getting ready for this, and that's all to say too that you know full disclosure. uh, As you're hearing this, uh, I am not a theologian like Tyler and Frank, and uh, this is I just moonlight as a uh, summer summer leader here. So, uh, not to say that we didn't prepare. In fact, I. Was like I better prepare even more uh, to keep up with to keep up with Frank and Tyler. So I wanted to start just a little bit about uh, uh, like I said the end of Second Kings as we're wrapping that up. I have my top ten list of the of the major players in the entirety of the story, and then obviously some of our big ideas. Um, starting with the big idea, as I read this, um, the the big quote that I think. Uh, the one sentence that shapes this this series is in uh, the beginning, uh, 1 Samuel. Even so, we still want a king. We want to be like the nations around us. Not coincidentally, the, the name of the Sunday series, We Want a King. I actually think it should be called Even So, We Still Want a King. So, so Samuel, they, they go to Samuel, obviously, and say this, and Samuel is like, are you kidding me? A king is going to, and he says, reign over you, draft your sons, maybe your sons get to be a general, but just as likely they're going to have to plow in the fields, take your daughters, take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves, a tenth of your grain, your grape harvest, take your male and female slaves, take the finest of your cattle, take a tenth of your flocks. So he says that, and they say, even so, we still want a king, we want to be like the nations around us. Uh, and it kind of—I think that there are so many things in our society that we we know are bad. We know are bad for us, and like we've seen all the warnings and the labels. and Like, yeah, you know, I still want to do—you know—I still want to do that anyway. I still know that that dessert is bad for me, uh, or I, I still know that uh, binge drinking is bad for me. But you know what? I want to be like uh, the nations around me. I want to be like the people around me. Um, and so that uh, is kind of what kicks off this entire series. Uh, I think the kings actually, uh, as we read about, didn't do any of those things. Uh, this is what they actually did they went, they went cray cray. That was Saul. He, he went crazy. And, and Samuel didn't even mention that. Uh, they spent a lot of time doing unnecessary things. Saul spent a lot of time chasing after David. So if you think about what a king or presidential duties would be, well, Saul was out in the wilderness with this personal vendetta against David. David has an affair, uh, brings the husband back to try to cover it up. When that doesn't work, he kills off the husband. Uh, They bring in false idols and false gods. Uh, In Solomon, we learn in chapter 10, 1 Kings, that they do not listen to the Lord's commands. Mm -hmm. And what we hear over and over again, they do what was evil in the Lord's sight. So even what I thought was interesting, Samuel, what he said to them wasn't even nearly as bad as what we end up hearing from uh, the story. So, in the end, uh, we have coup after coup after coup in this last section of Second Kings uh, Zechariah, Shalom, Manahem, Pekah, and they kind of, uh, I don't know if you felt this way, breeze over a lot of this. It's like, so this guy, they came in and they killed this guy off, and then he became king. And let will skip over that, and then this guy came in and he killed him off, and then he became king. Um, kind of reminded me of like, Professional wrestling in the Royal Rumble. And In a Royal Rumble, like every 30 seconds, in this, somebody a new guy comes in, and now like mixes it up, and then he throws a guy out of the ring, and then another guy comes in, and, and that's that's kind of what's going on here at the end of the story. You have Hezekiah and Shennacherib. Um, we're at a point of time now in Second Kings where there's actually a lot of other historical documents and findings that are linking up to what is in the Bible. Uh, something that was a big takeaway from Tyler this Sunday that as much as you know we can joke about this, make fun of this, this is not a collection of fairy tales. These were, this, this is a story that actually happened. Um, and I know something that I struggle with is uh, sinfully believing more like, okay, so now I know this really happened because now you've got all these other documents that match up against it. Maybe that's the intellectual in me when really we know that the whole story is true. Everything in this story uh, everything in Samuel to Kings happened. Um, so, I think it's interesting that throughout the Bible, there's you have references to these documents that no longer exist. So, you can read more on the books or the Kings of Judah or the Kings of Israel. Um, they say that history was told is told by the by the winners, right? So then you have the Israelites who are these losers. So it would make sense that you're going to have all of these documents uh, that would would disappear. Um, so, But now we have a whole bunch of documents from the Assyrian Empire. Uh, the Assyrians and the Babylonians uh, are your powerhouses. And so now you have all of this documentation that is now linking up with what's going on in the story. So we get near the end. Uh, Josiah uh, is the king at this point. I don't know if you watched the Bible Project uh, video for this, but it's quite good. Go back and take a look at it. It's really too late. Uh, Josiah is uh, kind of at the failing end of, of uh, what's about to happen here. But they come across the Book of the Law, uh, and Josiah is like, oh, snap. We haven't been doing any of these things. Um, and I could just imagine him hearing it. He's hearing it in the story, and he rips his shirt. He's like, this is this is terrible. Uh, but I think a very great uh, lesson in leadership that Josiah... Uh, what does he do? He just goes about trying to course correct. So I, I don't at least hear explicitly him blaming anyone. Uh, he's like, I'm the leader. It's my responsibility to fix this. Even if this isn't my fault, we need to go about the business of trying to to do right by what this says here. So I thought that that section could be a whole another sermon. I could see Tom Schrader doing a sermon on leadership about Josiah and like what to do when you're in charge, and, a, and, and you come across a mistake, a disaster. How do, you, how do you fix that? Do you sweep it under the rug, um, blame, shift, uh, or take the, take the steps to make it right? And then finally, at the end, uh, you have uh, Jehoiakim. So, so again, in the Bible project, it talks about uh, odd. He uses the term odd. You have an odd section, uh, an odd footnote or postscript, where Jehoiakim is now at the seat uh, with the Babylonian king, and he sits and dines with the Babylonian king at the royal table for the rest of his life. Uh, it kind of made, it, it was kind of an interesting connection if you've ever seen uh, uh, Star Wars be episode eight, The Last Jedi, and there's they, 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 they've been basically, the rebellion have been, has been decimated, and they're down to, I don't know, 20, 20 or so people and, but now, all across the galaxy, there's, they're like telling the story of like that they that they got away, and the last scene is this is this kid who uh, was like uh, following all of the story, and he's telling the story, and he like grabs this broom with the force, and he like sees the Millennium Falcon like going through the sky, and so it's like it seemed like all is lost, but there was this little sliver of hope, um, and that's uh, kind of was my takeaway for uh, this this scene here. Um, that why else, would they, why else would they put this little paragraph of uh, Jehoiakim sitting at the table, uh, but that all of this was meant to be, this story was meant to be um, Bathsheba and David all that was meant to be, then they, the two of them come together and have Solomon this terrible story, uh, all part of, of uh, the dis- dynasty and descendants working their way down to Jesus so uh, that is the end of 2nd Kings if you read all of that, congratulations, that was 12% of the Bible. I, I looked it up. If you read from 1 Samuel to 2 Kings, you did 12% of the Bible in six weeks. And I believe it's, if you read at that pace and just were reading that, because I know some of you are reading uh, other parts of the Bible as well simultaneously, just this was 78% of the Bible extra, if you extrapolate that out for the year. So if you read at this pace for the whole year, you could read 78% of the Bible. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it didn't feel like that much uh, reading, at least for me, um, at times. So I want to finish with then um, our top 10 players after God. So this is God's story. He's the number one player. He's the only one who's in the story from the beginning to the end. And everyone else is a supporting actor, supporting actress. Um, When I think about, I'll actually start from number 10. And then we'll, we'll get to our four questions. All right. So number ten, I'm going to start. I'm going to group people together early on, but then uh, we'll get to uh, in some individuals at the top. Number ten, the foreign kings. You had Pharaoh, Ben-Hadad of Aram, uh, tiglath pilesar Sennacherib, Nebuchadnezzar, so on and so forth. Uh, largely, they are portrayed as the villains. There, there is some uh, deal making. You know, like we're trying to. Team up with the Egyptians or whatever, um, but largely they're the villain, villains. But really, the true villains were the Israelites, uh, at least individuals within uh, the Israelites. Uh, if you think about like uh, the Walking Dead, it's like you had uh, the zombies who, who you would think are the bad guys, but really it's it's like the real bad guys are the people who are in the team on the camp betraying them. Uh, I think you know Jezebel sends the test of the time is like the like the villain when you think about the villains of of the. Uh, of this story. Number nine the, I would say what would be the supporting, supporting kings Asa, Rehoboam, Jehu just Joash, Jeroboam a roller coaster of minor kings you had some were decent uh, some who were garbage our, our son says in the garbage truck about everything so, so if he doesn't want to do something we'll say hey you gotta go put your shoes in the uh, closet and he goes shoes in the garbage truck or clean up in the garbage truck. And we were, talk- we were talking to them about their last names, and uh, he says, uh, You know, your name is Matthew Oviedo. And older brother, he goes, My name is Michael Oviedo. And Matthew, he goes, Michael Oviedo, in the garbage truck. <laughs> so everything's in the garbage truck. So some of these minor kings, they, uh, as we said, did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Um, and It was namely namely about how they treated uh, the false gods that were there. Did they leave them? Did they try to get rid of them? What was their attempts at that? Number eight, Eli seemed like a decent guy. Uh, Really, a lot of parallels, I thought, between him and John the Baptist, just kind of how the story starts off uh, with with Rebecca not able to have a child, and then praising God about being able to have a child, giving up uh, Eli to um, God. Uh, you know, the kings are very important in the story, but so really are the prophets and uh, the priests. Uh, this is in some ways a, a theocracy that you've got uh, the Eli's, the Samuels, the Nathans, Elijah's, they had, they had a lot of sway. Ahab, he's like, oh great. It's like, I got these guys, he's kind of just come and they give me bad news, um, which would be akin to you know, modern day senior advisors uh, that are telling the president what they don't wanna hear. And uh, Ahab, you know, Ahab never wants to hear it. Number seven. Speaking of which, I would say Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, Jezebel is almost like a movie villain. Uh, there, there's this scene. Has anybody seen Mystic River? Has anybody ever seen the movie Mystic River? All right. So Mystic River. Uh, there's a scene at the end of Mystic River with the character Laura Linney, um, and I think there's been enough time. I'm going to give away a major plot point here. Is that. Uh, the Sean Penn's character has has killed off basically one of his buddies from way back in the day uh, because he believes that that person killed his daughter, and he was wrong. Uh, that that's not how it went down. And as an aside, my 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 mom she once said, "You gotta go watch Mystic River. Oh, it's so good. It's so sad at the end when Tim Robbins dies." And I'm like, I'm like, mom, and she goes, "No, no, 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 no. Go watch it." She goes, "That's actually, actually that's not even that big part of a movie." Big part of the movie, and I go back and watch it with mom. That's the climax of the movie. Tim Robbins dying is is the movie. So Laura Linney's character, uh, Sean Penn is is confiding in her uh, what what he did, and she goes, "You you're a king, and a king knows what to do and does it even when it's hard." And it was this weird twist on on the wife, and you're like, "Wow, that's that's a weird thing to say." And I say all that. That was like Jezebel. Jezebel is like really giving him bad advice if you if you think back to the the scene with the vineyard where he's sulking about the vineyard she's like you're the king like we can we can there's all sorts of stuff that we can do and we're not nobody's gonna say anything uh number six Elisha I I wrote down he he was uh, very underrated as I was reading this and I'd read it before it stood out to me just how much Elisha did and we were were talking about it with Dwayne at this table about doing double what Elijah did uh, but really not getting the same kind of credit that Elijah does in, in the uh, New Testament. Uh, Samuel, I feel like he had two books named after him, so he's got to be somewhere in the top four. Uh, Elijah, as Frank talked about, Elijah is mentioned in the New Testament, um, even though Elisha does, like I said, twice what Elijah does. And then Saul, number three, starts off great. Tyler James said this the other day, tall, dark, handsome. Head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, this story that we heard last Sunday from, from Tyler is, a, is largely a positive Saul story, but but we know where the story goes. Uh, Solomon, again, starts off great, inevitably goes south. He doesn't listen to the Lord's commands. Starts bringing a lot of foreign gods to worship with a bunch of wives. And we know how that one goes. And then finally, David. David is mentioned 971 times in the Bible, so I I think that that gives him the rank of the number one player in this story um, after God. This was largely a story about people uh, and just really our our sinful nature, our need to want this hero, this king, um, and and knowing that we already have that. Uh, So uh, before we we talk and, and share in groups, I did want to read a couple of things that I asked Frank and Tyler as well to share just a little bit about um, their big takeaways Uh, Frank, uh, his big three takeaways number one, God's sovereignty number two, God's sense of humor, and number three God's willing us to give us what we want, even though it's not what's best for us, and that is actually his grace and love and he actually had an additional one, God uses people who have even bigger sins and issues than us, so God can obviously use us I think that a lot with with the story of David. And I know I mentioned this uh, week two. You know, God says, David is a man after his own heart. And then you read the story and you're like, really? This guy? David? Uh, Tyler Thompson. Number one, God's wisdom and God's justice go hand in hand and are perfectly executed in exactly the right place and time through the right person. And then ultimately in Jesus and the church participates. Number two. A heart that is patterned after God becomes a wellspring of life for individual, family, church, and world. This sometimes, as in the case of Solomon, results in health and wealth. But as soon as these things become our Lord, our hearts have turned from the Lord and destruction is on its way. And then he talked, number three, about the dynamics of generational sin, which to me was one of the more uh, confusing, challenging uh, aspects. Um, uh, The story of the king, who, uh repents and God is like okay I'm not we're not gonna punish him in his time it's gonna be his his kids and to me that's hard I'm like no why why would you do that to why would you do that to his son who didn't have anything to do with that um let's punish the guy who committed the crime uh, so those uh Tyler and Frank's big takeaways so again our big idea even so we still want a king we want to be like the nations around us and uh, the consequences of what that happens when we try to follow a man and put our trust in man as opposed to our trust in God.